मशीन there's only so much you can take of 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 one of these people and 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 the second thing is that they ultimately become a one trick pony i mean they're bad in just one way they're not bad in many ways so it's basically a repetition i mean the first one was was very good and i think the, the what i really liked was the way he the way he gestured with his eyes i think it's <laughs> well acted a terribly acted video so i didn't don't think the second video kind of had that i mean of course he was wearing a you know <laughs> angel costume yes but other than that i don't think there was anything i mean it was obviously bad music but there's just just so much of it nowadays um and with with the and, and with this current generation of the deepakalals and 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 of the world i think we've kind of become inured to i mean of course tahir shah had a first mover advantage but nowadays cringe uh, cringe virality is i think passe you know I I didn't know there's a term for that. Okay, uh, yeah, he he is actually probably the first TikTok star before there was TikTok. Yes, of course. So I I think that again with 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 the multiple with like new Tahir Shahs coming up every day on TikTok and some of them very very innovative. There's this one guy who does a Joker impression. Uh, then there is from the from some backwaters of India, but he does he does the he does the Joker in, in, impression from um, Suicide Squad. Oh, okay. Uh, then. Yeah, yes. Uh, so he, he he dresses up exactly like 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 Jared Leto, and uh, and then there 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 there's this myriad that all these different styles, and I find myself more and more attracted towards that rather than the more monochromatic, one-dimensional Tahir Shah. But let's move on. Yep, we've got of course uh, loads of questions uh, coming up for you from all our listeners, and uh, we use the hashtag not that Arnab. which you came up with and surprisingly we did find quite a few questions till addressed to uh, arnab goswami we're so <laughs> very surprised by that i just i don't know i mean i 
I don't know why somebody would ask a question to Arnab Goswami with the hashtag not that Arnab. Maybe they were questions to me then. That's <laughs> all I can say. Anyway, so we we'll, let let's start off with the questions, and and I'm going to not follow any theme. I'm just going to pick and choose whatever I see fit. Okay. So we'll start off with the bouncer, a, a really tough one, and this comes in from Ratnakar Kulkarni, and his question. Wow, this is a good one, and he says. Uh, what does it take to sell your soul and he says okay i'm asking because you refuse to be part of congress uh, propaganda that is it cell which wrote into you yes so again i i i guess the i i it would be presumptuous of me to say that there is no there's no price for my soul there obviously is uh, it's uh, i i haven't valued it yet but um, but 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 the but the honest answer is of course uh, i'm not i'm not likely ever uh, to so transparently let's say sell my soul there's this uh, there is this a uh, great uh, short story written by uh, porashuram who's uh, who was a noted satirist in 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 bengal he was also he's not noted satirist he was also a phd in chemistry and he also wrote the translation of uh, mahabharat from sanskrit to bengali so he's a, he's a a multifaceted genius so he he wrote these short stories and one of them was called utkoch tatto which is basically the art of uh, giving a bribe so the art of giving a bribe according to him was that uh, you know there are some people who you can just like give cash to and say you know rupees 2 per twitter rupees 100 per twitter whatever the rate is and then there's some other people who you have to bribe in a more subtle way you should make it such as if you're not bribing that person but he does something for you and then something and then something happens to him later on and you never say to that guy that this is going to happen but it happens and he knows that that it will happen and, and and there are all these subtler ways of how you can bribe people who basically sell themselves more expensive so the guys who actually take cash are usually the you know the, the lower end of the spectrum So all I'll say is I'm at the higher end of the spectrum. <laughs> so on, on with respect to selling my soul, but yes, as I have said before, this is this is really the way you get into the lit fests, and you 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 again. I I don't think that uh, that that it's 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 for influencers. I don't think that any IT cell. And again, by the way, if the BJP IT cell had written to me, my answer would have been the same. That is, there would have not been any answer. So this is not just. a response to congress or up or anybody's like anybody i'm not going to push anybody's agenda I'm not going to do tweets unless i i tell you that okay this guy told me to tweet this and i'm tweeting this um unless that or, or there's a gun to my head um there there's that's not going to happen because this is fundamentally dishonest in in my opinion um and i don't think that uh, that 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 i'll that I'll ever do something like this of course uh, being a human being the thought of well would this do something for my writing career or you know i mean saying no is very easy right you know you say no that's it but what are the implications of saying no it's not that these things haven't crossed my mind i'm not saying particularly in this case but this is not the first time that something like this has happened maybe this is the first time where it's happened so blatantly where somebody's written there i can screenshot and show it to you but um, you know feelers come out you know i'm sufficiently old, sufficiently old and mature enough to understand when feelers come out and i've uh, you know it's not that it doesn't cross my mind but then i realized that you no know, this this is not something which i um i can do i mean 
I mean, writing and everything that I do stems from some amount of honesty. That's why I don't make my living from it. I would like to, but I don't. And the fact that I don't make my living from it allows me the privilege of being honest to an extent. If this was my daily livelihood, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't possibly have the... So I, I'm not judging people who who give in to these things. I mean, if, 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 if that's what you need to, you know, uh, send your child to school, you know, that you do it. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to claim that that's, that's not a, that's not the right thing to do. Sure. But for me, given, given my, you know, the financial position I'm in and given the fact that all of this is my hobby, I really don't think that I need to compromise on my honesty. In that case, I can't honestly live with myself. I know this sounds a little sanctimonious to say it, but I try to, I mean, 95% of the time not do things which I cannot live with. So, so uh, would so, I be right so, in so, saying then that ethics is more a question of privilege than uh, anything else? It is. To, to an extent, ethics is a question of privilege. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, some people can choose to be ethical because they don't need to be. Uh, having said that, there's also the case that, you know, greed is, uh, greed is limitless. So it's not also true that just because you have privilege, you won't be greedy or you won't be disingenuous. That's also not true. But uh, I have, I've, I've come to not judge people. Again, I wouldn't say that, that, you know, people who are, who are in the media and who are so transparently manipulated are doing it because papi pet ka sawale. of course they, they have enough for their pets. They, they don't need to do this. So there is obviously this element of greed or moving ahead and nobody's really satisfied with what they have. But yes, in, in some cases it is, it is a privilege to be ethical. And if this is your hobby, then yes, you do have that privilege. Continuing on the political theme, we've got uh, one from Ra- Rajiv Rao. And uh, do you have Rao's in West Bengal or is this somebody closer to my my place? I, mean, I wonder. Rao's in West Bengal. I mean, they, of, of course, there could be there could be somebody in West Bengal whose whose last name is Rao, but that's not a Bengali surname. Yeah, I, I hope so. So Rajiv Rao uh, surprisingly is asking a question about West Bengal politics, and he's asking you that uh, in your view, do the West Bengal people people of West Bengal need to give an opportunity to the BJP in the next elections to form the government? I, I don't know. And again, I don't know what they should do or what they shouldn't do. Uh, my, it's it's unlikely. Again, I, I said that before, and 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 BJP won a lot of seats in Bengal in the central election. But for states, I would still stick my neck out and say that BJP is going to be the number two party. There's no doubt about it because the CPM was basically absorbed into the Trinamool Congress. But I, I doubt whether. Uh, whether even given the polarization, even given everything that that BJP inherently because of its, I've said this before, inherently because of its Hindi heartland base and its perception as being a party that whose whose social agenda does not sync with the Bengali lifestyle, you know, against uh, non-vegetarianism, Hindi, all of these things. It's more the social aspects that make people inherently suspicious of the BJP, also some of the kind of parochial feeling against uh, non-Bengalis, Marawaris, and Biharis they also come into play. If you if you, if you saw some of Mamata Banerjee's videos where she said these outsiders, and so 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 that all kind of comes in together. There, there, there was a reason why she was saying that she was deliberately trying to make that connection between people who don't speak Bengali, people who are migrants from Bihar, UP. Um, 
on 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 the lower end which is that you know and then on the higher end it's the marwadi businessmen who were basically the purse strings so so there's there's always been this perception um that that bjp is a party of outsiders it's 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 an incursion of the hindi heartland into bengal and we are better than that so that is going to remain however because of some of the demographic shift outside calcutta uh, the fact is that there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of uh, you know heartland migrants in bengal now uh, which which does which will have an impact um in the elections i mean i think bjp won in barakpur which last time which for me i it's just almost impossible to think of that so so there is there's obviously something going on which i'm kind of out of touch so i don't really know what the ground game is because i'm no longer there so i i could be surprised but i don't think that there'll be a bjp chief minister next time in bengal i think that's that's a bridge a little bit too far all right shaking things up we've got a very interesting one from karan gupta and uh, he's in fact uh, left us a voice message and he's going to ask you about your writing technique so let's listen to his message hi uh, my question for ernab is that uh, so ernab is a computer scientist right so he writes software and in software engineering uh, there are a lot of established uh, methodologies and processes and procedures you know the waterfall model and all of that uh, my question to you is uh, how much of your writing process uh, is uh, you know driven by rigorous planning and outlining and how much of it is more instinctive and it's more done on the fly right and uh, does your experience as a software engineer uh, come in handy as a writer thank you so uh, arnab uh, from what i understand he's asking whether your uh, uh, long form writing technique whether it's more waterfall or agile so to speak and whether how much of it is planned versus ad hoc so uh, of course just like writing software there there's some parts of it you know for writing software one of the first things you need to do is you have to understand what the user needs are which is one level of abstraction above requirements so any novel any book that you begin writing you definitely have to have some idea of user needs of course you don't you know write it down or you know put it into doc control but you do have an idea of what kind of user needs they are and the, the simplest simplest enunciation of what what a user need is is the genre the, the genre is the statement of a user need that i'm writing something in the horror genre or something or something which is a mix of you know two genres so there is a user need and you you know as part of user need you have to also understand you know because ultimately commercial fiction i'm not saying writing for just writing sake writing a diary or writing a blog but commercial fiction has to be written to sell so there is also this like what will sell um what will sell coming from me that's also very important i mean i can't write teeny bopper romance so you have to also understand that you know the the, the there's that and the, the, that's all of his user needs and then you've got the requirements of course you don't again write down requirements but you do have some kind of specifications when i write down i have usually a one pager or something that i write um uh, and that's really all i need in order to start then i kind of write code as if i was uh, as i was doing a class assignment which is that uh, i write stories which is i basically let myself write um i have a broad outline and i, I if you've read my books you'll see that they're mostly of my books they don't have long chapters they're mostly short episodes and it allows that's the way i like to think i like to think in terms of short episodes um so before i start to write anything i normally have thought about that episode for about a week or even more than that while i'm taking a walk or you know 
whatever downtime I have. So I've kind of have an idea as to, you know, how the characters are sitting, what they're going to say, where it is placed and how it's going to move the plot. And then I start to write. Um, I do some kind of, uh, some kind of agile, like test before your code, not really. I test a chapter before I write it, but after I write it, usually send it to some test readers to read. And um, I obsessively read chapters. Um, so and it's quite course, iterative in that case. Very, very iterative. I read it. It's not really so much based on uh, <laughs> test readers, but it's mostly based on my own tests. I mean, when I read things, and you have to understand that there's a huge that each of these chapters, and no matter how you write it, ultimately there is there's an element of unit testing, and then there is the whole integration testing. When you actually put the whole thing together and read it, you'll often find that things don't make sense. Because remember, a book is being written over a period of a year, perhaps, or sometimes even more in case of Sultan of Delhi. So the person who started writing the book at the beginning is not the person who started who's at the end, right? Yeah, I've grown by two or three years by that time. So you'll find that you often can't recognize the voice of the person who started off the book. So there's there's a huge effort of integration testing. And what I find works for me is I don't leave that till the end. I always try to like write, write one module, write another module, integrate it together and see how it is. Then the third module integrated together. So usually what happens is that the first things get tested much more because they're all parts of all the integration builds. And the last ones usually don't get tested that much, but since, and I've said this before, since I always have the ending absolutely down pat in my mind before I start to write, the ending usually does not need that much testing. It's usually the first, not even the first, the first and the ending are usually don't change much. It's the middle um, and about like 20% into the book where there's the most amount of rewrites in order to make everything line up, in order to make the input parameters of this function match with the you know, where, you, where you're calling it. So all of that goes into that. And there's a lot of effort and not, not a lot of that is fun, actually. Um, let me ask you this then. Uh, of course, if, if you're writing software, you do eventually ship. And of course, uh, in, if they, there are bound to be the eventual bugs or something, and you, you release a you know, patch. So in terms of a book, have you at any time felt that, you know, after it's gone to, after it's been published, hey, maybe this particular chapter, I wish I could have sent an update and, you know, this, this should have been done better or something like that. No, no. So it again depends on, it depends on, some some things are bug fixes and some things are V2 of a software release, right? And I so, don't mean typos, of course. I mean, I'm yeah, but asking about plot points or you know, there's something like that. Yeah, so if there is a plot point which I believe, um, yeah, but you can't do a bug fix on a printed book. But it's not a question of a bug fix. And normally, there hasn't been a case where I have had a plot bug which is so egregious that I feel that I have to fix it. Sometimes what happens is this, this, and this is not so much a plot thing, but more a writing thing. It's more as if I, I wish I could have written the code in a different way. I wish I'd refactored it. So that's a more fundamental architectural change. That's not really a bug fix. It's more <laughs> a maintainability problem. Right. Or you and just look at it and see, and see, wait, wait, I could have made the architecture of this so much easier, but that's not a bug fix. Yes, that happens a lot. And with you like, now uh, writing textbooks, I, I guess you will have to be doing maintenance releases. With textbooks, it's a little different. No, it's not. I mean, with 
Yeah, it depends on the pricing model, really. So normally with textbooks, you don't have to, because this, again, the book that I'm writing is not quote unquote a textbook in the sense that it's not going to be part of like a course or anything that people, so it's not, doesn't have like in, in the US, when if you write for academic publishers, it's a very def, de, definite definition of a textbook. A textbook usually has to come with exercises and solutions. This doesn't have any of those. So this is more, more an, it's not a nonfiction book. It's not, um, but it's, it's, it's kind of a hybrid between the two. I mean, it's written in a conversational kind of language, but it has some kind of formalisms. It's essentially a book for practitioners. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a book which is like if you're in the medical device industry and if, you're, if you have to do anything about cybersecurity, this book endeavors, I don't know how successful I will be, or in the, sometimes I wonder if I'll ever finish it, but it, it tries to capture what basically you need to know. And the things that I don't cover in the book, I tell people where to get it. Because one of the things with, with books nowadays, especially in the technical field, is that nobody really reads books, right? And when was the last time you read a book? On, I mean, you go and you, you go, go to Stack Exchange. I mean, Stack Exchange basically gives you the answers to life's problems. Uh, so there's really no good reason why you need a book unless these answers are not there in Stack Exchange. So, so the, my purpose is I only provide that part which is not in Stack Exchange. For the rest, you, you you have to read this book along with Stack Exchange. And I think that is where the utility of any tech, quote unquote, textbook written in today's age has to be. You can't write 800, 900 page tomes which have everything in it because nobody's going to read 800, 900 pages. They're not going to read more than 200 pages. If 200 pages is max, and you have to very, very selective. And your book has to be basically a, in, this is you know, my opinion, of course, it has to be a commentary on what's out there so that it enables people that if you want to know more about this, go online or, you know, guy, get another book. The, the purpose is not to repeat what's already out there, but that which is not covered. If you Google or if you don't know what words to use in order to Google, that is the utility of a book. And I'm whenever I'm writing this book, I always keep that in focus that this book is supposed to be read along with your online stuff. Okay, now we are moving on to cricket. Rishu Mehrotra writes that uh, Warner and Smith and Lambushan aside, doesn't the current New Zealand performance in Australia give last year's Indian triumph a lot more meaning and context? The same bowling attack was tamed mostly. Yes, yes, absolutely it does. I think India had a very good team last time in Australia. Um, I don't know how uh, Bumrah will be after his uh, injury recovery. I mean, I've I'm scared because it's happened with a lot of fast bowlers that they're never the same bowler after they have had an injury like this. So I don't know how, and I still think that that attack is largely dependent still on Bumrah, even though Ishan Sharma has suddenly been bowling very well for the for the last year. I think he had a, he had a great year. I think there was a time in which Ishan Sharma was almost on the way out, and he's kind of kind of late in the stage for a, for a fast bowler in these days. He's kind of reinvented himself. Um, I think that Lebushan is is a big factor, though. If you just factor in the number of centuries he's scored, um, and the, the 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 problem with uh, the problem with Australia last time was that there was just there was just really nobody um, who could. Like last time was did Steve Smith play, play against us? No, Steve no, he, he was, was on his ban. No, he was on his ban. Right. So Warner and Steve Smith weren't there, right? So, so that, so, so those, th- those two things do matter. I mean, when you, especially Warner's record against India. I mean, Warner is, when Warner is, of course, been very consistent. But 
I think I, I, I don't have the stats at hand, but I think his record against India, and I can say that from my experience of having seen, watched through so many Warner innings, is that it's very good against India. Uh, and some players are like that. Some people, like for instance, Brian Lara never had a great record against India. I can't recall, you know, great innings against India from Brian. There great innings against Australia, anyway, but not against India. But Warner has an inordinately number of like command performances against India. So I think it would have been different with with Warner and Smith. Even more important than Smith, I would say Warner. And there was another thing that that I that Smith brings to the side, which I don't think anybody else has. Warner does have it. Warner has the Virender Sehwag thing to him because he scores at such a fast rate. He can score more runs um, than you can possibly imagine. Like Sehwag would score triple centuries pretty pretty easily. But the thing with Steve Smith is he's the ability to play really long innings. You know, the kind of innings which like a 238, that kind of innings, which really sets things up. And I think that these two people, again, nobody knows what they could have done, but I think that that does take some, you know, these two people are very significant in the Australian batting lineup. And what's important is, you know, 10 years ago, when the Australian lineup was at its best, you could have two people walk away and there would have been no significant impact. But Australia today is not like that. It isn't, I mean, Travis Head isn't the same as, you know, let's say who who who, who was batting at Travis. Like, it was it a was Steve Wass lot, right? The, where, where Travis Head bats. And it's, it's obviously there's no comparison between them two. Or later, later there was at least Daryl Lehman. I mean, okay, Daryl Lehman isn't a great batsman, but at least he's better than Travis Head in terms of his his, his reliability. So I think that I, I would still say that this this Australian team. I would love to see India against this Australian team with with Warner and Smith. And again, I would say that Warner is a big factor when it comes to against India. And Lebushan, for some strange reason, has been scoring centuries after another. So I don't know what's. I mean, I've seen him bat. He doesn't look like a very special batsman to me, but. Apparently, he's having... I don't think, I might be wrong, but I don't think his form is going to last. But let's see. Let's uh, look at a couple of questions on US politics. Uh, first, Tripart171. He asks about your thoughts on uh, the debate between electoral college and popular vote in the US. So the reason behind... So, okay, so for those of you who don't know the context, so in, in, in the US, the way it happens is not... The, 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 the electoral college basically exists to make sure that the popular vote, that there is, that it's not just a question of one state like California, really somebody absolutely winning all votes in a state like California. And because of that, the votes in, let's say, South Dakota don't count. So there is, so the, the, the electoral college is kind of hedges against that. So it kind of, make sure that there is some weightage in terms of uh, electoral votes. And many people feel nowadays, of course, Democrats, because they lost the last election, uh, that that is not right. Because what's happened is that that is, and and that's for a very self-serving reason, is that there's no chance that a Republican president would ever win the popular vote. Increasingly, it's becoming... um, less likely that a, that a Republican uh, would ever win the popular vote in the U.S. because of the changing demographics. But that demographics is absolutely concentrated in a few states like California and you know, 
to the east. So there's the, 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 the coastal places which the Republicans cannot win. And so in a state like California, for instance, uh, with, with the increasing population, minority population, which the, the Republican parties basically wash their hands off. So what's happened because of the electoral college is that some states, like what we call the swing states, have an inordinate influence. And that's the critique of this, that they have an inordinate influence of, and it's not really transparent. I mean, it's not immediately understandable to a person why a vote in Michigan would count more effectively than a vote in California. So there's, so what, what the Democrats are saying is that, of course, that you need to have you know, a stand like every vote, you can get away, get rid of the electoral college system. I honestly feel that's not going to happen because that I believe, and again, I'm not an expert on this, but I think that would require a constitutional amendment. I think, and I don't think that any party in this day and age is going to have uh, that kind of number. So this is, this is all idle talk. It will continue to be an electoral college system for the foreseeable future. We've got coolest life asking you if Trump will win again. <laughs> again it's 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 difficult to say really because normally you would think that trump would lose right after all of this but the fact is that the economy is good people on the economy the democrats will not have a great message when they go up against trump i mean saying things like oh the numbers don't matter ask him you know how poor people are doing you know you can you can say as much as you want but it's again it comes back to the previous question you know, ultimately the thing is most people are in any case, people who are not going to vote for Trump are not going to vote for Trump. It doesn't matter what happens. People who are going to vote for Trump are going to vote for Trump because of the whole, this whole centrifuge effect. Um, it's pretty much decided. There's a very small slither of people who are so-called undecideds who shift their votes. It's a very small slither and, and even that small slither only matters in those states. So all that Trump needs to do is make sure that there's you know, in these four or five states that people vote. So it's, you, you never can tell really nowadays because of, because of the way, and again, this is a critique of the electoral college. After, without the electoral college, there is no chance that Trump would ever win. I mean, the contest is over because, you know, poll after poll shows that Trump loses, Trump loses, Trump loses to any of the Democrat candidates in a one-on-one with them. But the fact that the fact that the reason why the Democratic Party is so worried nowadays is because they increasingly see that Bernie Sanders might actually win. The the possibility that Bernie could ever win had never seriously sunk. They always thought that Biden is going to win, but now that there's a serious path that that uh, that Bernie has because they have advanced the date of the California primaries, so he will get a huge. Remember, this is California primary for the Democrats. There's no electoral college. So he's going to get a huge boost in California. And so now they're, now they're worried that would, would Bernie be able to stand up to uh, Trump? And, and, and my opinion on this varies from day to day. Some days I think that uh, the only person who can beat Trump in the swing states is a moderate, uh, is a moderate Democrat, somebody like Joe Biden, uh, because he, he's at least acceptable. And there are many people who might feel that they agree with Trump from a policy perspective, but they might not want to vote for Trump because of the person that he is. So they agree with Trump in terms of his policy. They just don't like him as a person. Those guys will definitely vote for Joe Biden, though they will not vote for Bernie Sanders. 
so that is the, on odd days i think that it that uh, joe biden has a better chance and on even days i think bernie has a better chance because the problem with putting joe biden is that there might be a significant number of people who just will not show up the fact of the the good thing about putting bernie on a ticket is not that people who are going to vote for trump will go for vote for bernie that's never going to happen really what's going to happen is that the pie is going to be extended people who otherwise wouldn't have voted would vote for bernie that is that is bernie's path bernie doesn't he he cannot make a dent in trump's vote pack he's too far left for that but he can increase the democrat voter base he can get people genuinely passionate um and that is to be seen which which of these work and in the absence of any kind of numbers i really can't tell and i don't know that much about you know about county level us politics to be able to say you know in in, in pennsylvania in this county how things would get it's just don't know. the next question is in the you know grand scheme of things like uh, have you stopped beating your wife so republic asks asks you uh, has there been a more blatantly communal government in indian in, in, in independent india's history i i totally didn't understand what do you mean by have you stopped beating your wife what, what? Oh, the, the, you, you don't know that example uh, that's supposed to no. be a question where uh, whether you answer yes or no you are uh, guilty right have no, you stopped beating your wife so if okay. you say yes it means yeah you used to be a wife beater if you say no it means you're still beating your wife so it already makes a assumption so similarly okay. republic says has there been a more blatantly communal government in independent india's history absolutely it's the, the congress government has been as communal as this government there is there is there is no doubt and it, and 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 the reason why it doesn't seem so is because in the congress rule there was no social media there was no 24/7 media there was no print and there was there was there was nobody to rile up the base now the base is riled up now there is social media now there is instagram now there's all of these things so of course um you, it's also true that you have never seen a government with a fan base like this before so that also is is i i i don't think that's also true i think that the congress also had a great fan base it's just that it was not so evident so nowadays everything all effects get amplified by the, the by the echo chamber of news and social media so yes it looks like it's 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 very communal but this is this is again this is not a question of justification this is a question of what has always been and the refusal of some people to recognize some sometimes it's they're just too young so it's not a quite i mean it's true for me i mean i for me my truth starts when i start perceiving the truth i don't care about what happened before it and i think you know history starts with me so in in a way i understand that but it's not true that this this government is the most communal i i think that in terms of messaging in terms of uh, the the vajpayee government for instance was way more communal um in terms of the kind of pronouncements that that that, that vajpayee made i think when he was uh, when he was prime minister he had said something like muslims cannot live uh, you know it was an extremely communal statement that he made that you know whether whichever country they are in uh, muslims cause trouble or something so let me google that i don't okay uh, again probably because social media was not a big thing in those days it probably went by uh, quite unnoticed because you and i didn't realize uh, he had said something like that so this is uh, and i'll send you the i'll send you the link so here's what he said uh, later at a, i'm reading from an article in india today later at a bjp national council meet on 12th april 
Fajpi said, we should not forget how the tragedy of Gujarat started. The subsequent developments were no doubt condemnable, but who lit the fire? How did the fire spread? Okay. This is, this is, in this wow. day, if, if, if Modi says this, there would be big, let's say there this wouldn't just be forgotten, right? And then he went on to say, whenever Muslims live, they don't like to live in coexistence with others. They don't like to mingle with others. And instead of propagating their ideas in a peaceful manner, they want to spread their faith by resorting to terror and threats. The world has become alert to this danger. This is what he said when he was the prime minister. Okay. So, um, again, was this, right now Vikram said he had never even heard of this. Yeah, Am I correct? Yeah. Why didn't you hear about this? Because there was no social media. Exactly. Yeah. There was no 24-7 news. So this is absolutely false that, that there has been no government as communal as this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to like put metrics on, on, on which government is more communal, but this was an extremely communal statement coming from the prime minister of the country. Okay. You have to understand the prime minister of the country saying this. I remember when I heard this, I, I felt it was thoroughly condemnable what Vajpayee said. That you know that you would typecast, uh, you would typecast all Muslims like this. Then it's, it's it's a terrible statement coming from a prime minister. But he said this again. There was no, there was no uproar, which there should have been, but you know it was mostly state-controlled television. Still, then there were some channels, but there was no social media. So no, I don't think that this is the most communal government ever. It might seem like it, and you might want to believe it, but that's not true. Um, by and large, um, BJP governments have always been. Let's say it have been communal towards Hindus, and Congress governments have been communal towards Muslims and other other people. And that's it's not because of you know an inherent evil. I think it's just because these people have to get elected. This is just the way election real politic works. And I'm not again saying whether it's right or whether it's wrong, but in in any country with the kind of diversity that we have, um, every party. Every party plays. So we're talking about then there's caste, their, their, their caste-based identity. So every party plays this. And so there is really no metric of which government is the most casteist. Would you call you know, Lalu Yadav's government the most casteist ever? Would you want to call Mayawati's government the most casteist ever? Again, you would there's no, I mean, every party has every party has uh, played this game. I mean, if we had Shabano with, 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 with Congress, I mean, again, people do know about Shabano, but again, if that had happened in this day and age, I don't know what would have happened. Um, so, so there's always this bias that what is happening right now is the most terrible thing that's happened. Again, I would say that there have been some terrible things that have happened. I would like to mention the fact that, you know, the kind of reports that are coming from Uttar Pradesh in terms of, you know, the police entering people's houses. And I would like to, you know, talk about this. This is not really the, in the context of the question, but I mean, there's they, just too many reports. Um, and, and I think that the justification is, but they attack the police. So the question is, it's there's, there's, there's first of all, that if, if somebody attacks the police, there is a law for that. Okay. The law isn't that you go in and you, in, 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 and you go and break the television sets. That is not the law. So the police does not have the right to act like a mob. There's a very important thing. And you can say, well, they're human beings too. I understand they're human beings, but they have to work within the law. That's what you sign up when you become a policeman. And that is why the country gives the policemen the benefit of the doubt. That is why they give the army the benefit of the doubt. That is why they give them weapons. That is why they give them the full backing of the law. But that comes with its certain responsibilities. And so it is, it is it, so justifying, you know, one bad act with another. The police have to be held to, a, and in any, civilized, in any civilized country, they have to be held to a higher standard of accountability. 
second is their just their job is not to dispense justice and again these comments are not coming from people who who want to have a rational conversation if anybody wants to justify what what the up police have done then it's not we're not having a conversation based on logic or rational i mean everybody knows this that the police don't have the right to go and we're getting reports of police going and looting people so trying to trying to prevent any criticism of the police by you know showing a graphic of a, of, of a policeman being injured that is condemnable and i had written a facebook post on this but let's let's the fact is both of it is condemnable and if there is violence against the police and again in in bengal where the ruling party actually wants this um it's been the exactly the other way around by the way uh, it's the police who have been who have been grossly victimized and have not been able to do anything because uh because the political uh, because the political dispensation there supports the protests so let's let's try to be let's try to look at it from all states and let's not try to ignore bengal um in this in in this in this sorry mora so yes I, i i do not think this is the most communal government ever but i also think that what the up government has done especially after again people have the right to protest people have the right to protest if somebody is you know set fire to a car which again there's multiple reports that if there's video evidence which shows the opposite but let's presume that some people set fire to property if there's some people then it is the government's responsibility to go and find out who did it and if they can't find out who did it then that doesn't that doesn't give them you know uh that doesn't give them the right to barge into people's houses and beat them up i mean it's it's, it's almost silly for me to even have to say this <laughs> it is like almost i'm explaining to a 6 year old look they don't have the right to do this you know you, you know this right the only reason why people are supporting this is because that they're biased it is because of because of the communal temper that is there in this country i'm not saying this is new it's always been there but as a centrist and as as a, something which is thoroughly condemnable what the up police have done again i've said that i i, I have no problem again in a previous podcast with the ca which is with with with, with resentment bill which has now become the act i i had problems with it being used with nrc i have a problem with forcibly you know for people who have been here for decades to dub them as illegal and to throw them out i felt that while you can you can claim that that is the law it is something which is infeasible unpractical inhumane and is not a good use of government resources this is not why we elect the government and this is this is akin to, this is pushing the country to civil war when you try to throw people out of their homes into camps forget the optics of it forget the optics of it but this is just morally wrong there's no two ways about it they might have come in illegally it was the government's responsibility to stop them but now that they haven't stopped it 20 years later when they have had children there you can't just willingly throw everybody out and call everybody illegal just can't do that just can't do that okay uh, let's have some quick uh, ones to uh, help you recharge avjit ganguli asks you uh, for your favorite biryani arsalan versus amenia versus shiraz oh man um, i would like uh, arsalan definitely short answer i would go with uh, uh, shaghouse in hyderabad <laughs> if anyone's asking <laughs> and uh, this one's good uh, sagar asks you for uh, your biggest regret in life is that the phd 
the biggest regret in life again it's uh, the biggest regret in life i would say is not i mean the phd is just a symptom of the biggest regret the biggest regret in life is essentially not being aware of who i was and making decisions based on what other people were doing not not giving thought to whether i really wanted to do this what kind of a person i was it was essentially not counseling myself properly now of course it's a hindsight thing i i mean i people in those days without the i mean people i mean i see young kids nowadays they're so well balanced you know they they actually ask themselves these questions and i think the internet plays a vital role in this people are just aware of these things nowadays but you know what i regret is my kind of lack of awareness i don't think all of it was my fault really but some of it possibly was i should have thought things through a little bit more before taking some of the most important decisions of my life i can't i can't even think of having thought of like should i do my phd for even one second i can't recollect whether i did a pros and cons and i even even thought of this in a like should i do it it was obviously assumed that i would i would do it i don't know who made this assumption i think i did and if the, the, it's not a question of is phd the regret it is the fact that i didn't think about these things is the regret okay and uh, ganesh naik and somebody else also asks you about a similar question they want to know how you manage your time given you do so many things how what's your daily schedule so increasingly i find it difficult to manage things nowadays so you know things slide i can't do things as i the things that i used to do um but i you know i don't i i try to keep certain times for like i'll write for an hour and then i'll watch a movie so it's 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 important i think one of the things is you have to reward yourself um you have to give yourself con- continuous rewards so the the best way is you know if and there are some days where i really want to write i just write i don't have i mean it's i'm just in the zone i write some days i just don't it's just not working so i you know force myself to write for an hour and then i do something else to reward myself so it's it's very important that when you're doing something which you don't quite like and you know of course i don't write like don't like writing this non fiction book on cyber security as much as i like writing fiction for instance i mean i really love writing fiction it's like i'm in my own movie i'm in my own world and i can you know do whatever i want so it's just a flight of imagination and fancy so it's this is nothing like that so it's you know you have to and you know sometimes i wonder whether i should even finish this book because you know i'm just you know i come back from work i you know work is like 10 hours sometimes nowadays in some you know for months on end and i just i just can't turn myself on you know and get into the focus and maybe it's age also but i kind of feel that i just don't have that mental focus for you know weeks on end sometimes to do so that's why i've kind of stopped writing the blog nowadays um i i i feel that doing the podcast at least allows me you know i'm not investing any time before or after the podcast i just you know spend whatever time and i'm i can move off so i i increasingly find myself struggling to manage time i w- was able to manage time much better before that was also because i you know i didn't have a you know i didn't have a daughter in those days i my i mean i, I guess i was younger <laughs> than too so um and i was doing things which i more like to do and maybe i was a little bit more optimistic and hopeful also i think that's another important thing i think i've lost a lot of hope so that i think also you know makes you wary you just wonder you know why am i doing this and and sometimes when you don't think of that when you're kind of dreaming towards something 
know time flies you just make things so maybe that's there too radhakrishnan ravi ayer has okay this is going to be a interesting one he says uh, instead of cribbing about the left leaning publishing houses and the media for blocking your books and not giving you a stage why don't you find other smart alternative options isn't that what you're well, doing what, right now arnab well what smart alternative options do you propose because there are none Well, I mean, the, I, I guess this is this is one example of one alternative, the podcast itself. Yeah, but you can argue it's not smart. But it's, um, <laughs> true. <laughs> but but I I have right. I mean, I I have tried. I mean, I've moved from you know writing to you know talking. I've we've made sixty seven episodes now. That's that's a significant amount of time that's that I've that I've expended uh, behind this. So it's not that question of just me cribbing. I mean, it's I mean, I, the fact it's true. I mean. me saying that doesn't make it false that that is true but it's not that i haven't tried i try but it's just not possible to replicate for instance with electronic books it's just people don't read books electronically in india that's just true and with electronic books i know that the only people i will reach are the people who are on twitter who will even know that the book has been published how will people who read the book sultan of delhi part 1 ever no people who are not on social media people who don't don't even remember my name but who like the book and there are many on good reads i can see that they like the book how will i ever inform them that there is a second book out how will they ever know how they didn't even they don't even know that there will ever be a second book out so how will they i mean they won't even be looking for it so the fact is that there is so many people who i just cannot reach people who have read the first part of the book liked it and would definitely like i'm sure would enjoy the second part or people who felt oh i like the book a lot but i didn't like the way it ended it almost ended like in a hurry of course it ended in a hurry because there's you know the plot points were not rounded out that's the reason why you felt it ended in a hurry there's a whole new book right after that so i can't reach them and there is no way that i can without the print medium so again it's it's very easy to say instead of cribbing why don't you do something will you tell me what to do there is there, there is nothing to do um i mean i can publish it but the fact is that there is no reach to it and then you have to answer that that question of hope which i just talked about you know why should i write a book for 200 people why should i write a book which would maximum reach 1000 people when i had a reach of 20000 30000 i mean why would i why would i do that everybody works towards something in which they expand they don't want to work in something which is contracting especially if it's their hobby right all right and ashish pande asks uh, this is nice he says i hope you get into west bengal assembly and parliament would you get into political process as a candidate slash leader no i would never i mean there was a time in which i seriously thought of doing that but um again i wouldn't i this is the only answer where i wouldn't say that i'm too old for it i'm definitely not <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, you are still in youth leader. Uh, absolutely, age. absolutely. I am definitely youth leader, and I am definitely I am I am possibly still not at the age for Indian politics. But but it's just that I wouldn't. Uh, no, I I just wouldn't. I whatever whatever idealism I had in my twenties is now uh, as all evaporated, and uh, I just don't think that I am made out for. again the problem basically stems from i might have said this before is that i cannot agree with the political platform of any political party is that my my world view is just so you know it just varies on issue to issue so i don't think that there would be any political party let alone you know that party like trinamool congress which is which which is 
which is a personality cult for somebody who has to manufacture her own personality so again i i just cannot believe that i would have to you know bend my knee and you know say that she is the greatest author after rabindranath tagore in order to survive in the party it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what higher aims that i try to attain it i try to achieve but the fact is ultimately i'll have to go and say my goodness this, this you are a greater poet than rabindranath tagore or i have to you know in, in in congress you have to say that you know that that the that the gandhi family is is the greatest thing since sliced bread or or in bjp you'll have to you'll have to say that you know i i believe in the protection of the cow more than anything else and i i don't believe in any of these things so how can i be part of any political party because none of our political parties allow for any nuance they don't allow for people to say okay i disagree with the party on these things but i agree with the party on these things they don't allow the kind of uh, let's say diversity that the american political system allows where you can be a conservative democrat or a progressive democrat or you 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 have at least a few shades in india every interparty election has to be unanimous and if you contest then the next time you're out i don't think that this 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 i just don't gel with this culture that's all you have answered james tagart's question which uh, very asks which politicians politics resonates the most with your political ideology uh anything to expand on that <laughs> so no, uh, i mean I, i i do like i do like i do think that there is i do think there is a future for the kind of politics that shashi tharoor wants to put in the congress which is you know he, he you know a, a book uh, you know he's written books on his hindu identity he's not denying the hindu identity I, again he's he is there is there is something which is based on identity there's something which is based on secularism it's not just an identity less secularism it's based on common sense it's based on some progressive values and he, but yet, yet again and being in the congress he has to say but rahul baba is the greatest so that that part is 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 the turn off so i think there is there is a space for for a for a centrist which is which is center right on something center left on some other things on on social progressive issues maybe on identity and politics uh, economy a center right i think there is i i think I, i can see that there are some people who if if they were allowed to say what they really want to say would possibly say things which i would more agree with but i think that the compromises they have made as a part of being in politics as a part of being the part of the party that they are in i don't think i can get behind them because of that compromise that they have made so you kind of again answered rahul mohanty's question where he asks that if you were put in charge of appointing a president to congress who would be your pragmatic choice and who's your ideal choice would can i assume ideal choice would be tharoor ideal choice would be tharoor i think that the congress in order to, for any kind of for first of all the congress if if it has to be any kind of opposition to the bjp it has to jettison the Cong- the gandhi family there's just no future with the gandhi family and they And, and when i say jettison it has to go to somebody who's not a stooge of the gandhi family it's not a sitaram kesri type so it has to go to somebody who's anarasimha rao who's a reformer who who kind of agrees with the broad contours of you know left uh, left left of center politics but is also pragmatic and also understands notions of identity so somebody like that i think shashi could shashi tharoor could be that person i think there might be you know i don't know you know what the what other people are there in congress but i would think that in terms of prominent faces it would be shashi tharoor and let's take a few light and easy ones samarpan datta asks you what makes a perfect hindi film 
I don't know which 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 era. For me, Hindi films. <laughs> I think for me, the perfect Hindi film is a Hindi film which is first of all uh, not made for approbation on social media, which is not made for uh, which is not a copy of of a Korean movie, a Dutch movie, or some movie which you think that we haven't seen yet. There has to be some originality. It has to be essentially Indian in flavor. I mean, really, if I want in in this day and age, when there is so much content available for essentially free, you see, when I watched Hindi movies, I watched them because there was no other option. Um, nowadays there is a lot of option, and so the only way I think that Hindi movies can keep my attention is be- is if they provide a form of entertainment which I don't get anywhere else. So either it has to be authentically Indian stories. which um which the west doesn't isn't interested in covering because you know the west really doesn't give two hoots about indian culture about indian/hindu culture they just don't give two hoots about it. so given that if there are those kinds of stories if there is hist- good historicals and you know i think samar pandita was was expecting an answer on you know with shakti kapoor and raja murad but i'm not giving you the answer that you want but what i'm saying is that maybe if there are story if there are movies made which are essentially indian which which i will not find anywhere and again i'm being self serving but something like sultan of delhi which is which is which is a pot boiler but it's set in essentially indian environs in a in a part of indian history which not a lot of people know about uh, in the, the 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 war for railway contracts in in, in uttar pradesh in bihar in the 60s so if there is i think there is an ideal hindi movie and i i i seen in some of the web series though i mean i i i thought that uh, what was that one with uh, kalin bhaiya and these guys all right oh man uh, mirzapur mirzapur I think Mirzapur went there. I think Mirzapur was uh, it was I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that for me is and it's a Hindi movie. I'm using the word movie here a little liberally because I think web series now kind of qualify as movies, right? So I think that I think that kind of uh, that that genre where 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 I feel there's a, a gap, a lacuna in my Netflix library. I think that's the ideal Hindi movie for 2020 and moving forward. and i know that's not the answer you were expecting but that's the answer i'm going to give you okay so i like this id here raging bull and uh, he's asking you when he or she is asking when will you do an episode on dogs and when will you get a dog so essentially i guess he's asking when does your lease uh, expire yeah when does my 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 plan again i have a lot of plans but i think that once i get into a place where i can keep a dog i don't immediately want to own a dog i want to again it again depends on the shelter situation here and there's a lot of politics behind these shelters now i'm kind of realizing that when i when i look through the posts of uh, you know the shelters uh this is another uh, who cares but really but what i really want to do is i want to adopt a dog for a while um I, because one of the things which i immediately see is there are a lot of dogs who get uh, euthanized um like within days because there are certain spurts in which you know a large number of dogs come into the shelters and all you sometimes need is somebody to keep the dog for two weeks and the dog's life gets saved because then you know it kind of because for instance one one big burst 
burst of dogs happens on July the 4th because of the fireworks, many dogs run away. And so there's a huge burst of Lawaris dogs on July 4th and July 5th and July 6th. And because of that large number, what happens is the shelters become flooded. And what they then do is then they start euthanizing dogs. They start euthanizing dogs who have been there for years, who have who they don't think had don't have a chance of getting adopted. And all that they need to do is basically if the if the dog can stay in a place for two weeks, then his life is saved. So I would like to start off with something like that. And I just again, this kind of comes back to a previous question. Just because I want to have a dog doesn't necessarily mean I should have a dog. And this is exactly the kind of decision that I used to take when I was younger. When, when I wanted to do something, or even if I didn't want to do something, I would just go ahead and do it without thinking of it, without even trying it, without doing a small, limited, you know, pilot study of it. Pilot, yes. Now, a pilot, yes. And that, like anybody in software, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You need to do a pilot before you, uh, before you go in, you know, with all your guns booming. So I want to do a little bit of these pilot things before... I go and actually own a dog. If at all, I even want to go that way. I want to have, I mean, if whatever time I want to spend, I what I would really like to do is I want to get qualified as a level three dog walker, which is again, something which you can do and which you can like. Wow. I, I, I didn't know there's something like that. Yes. Yeah, so for instance, over here in the shelters, you can go and volunteer. Of course, everything in the US is very structured, right? So uh, you have to take a certain amount of hours of training to be a volunteer. Then depending on, you know, how much amount of time you want to give, you can have, you, you can basically increase your skill level and you can be, there's the levels of dog walkers. So you have to, you know, that to me is, 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 is a challenge and you're dealing with dogs who are snarling and, you know, that's, you have to put the loose loose around them. So this this is I mean the level three dog walker and all stuff is a little little high stuff. And you're dealing with difficult dogs and you're you know trying to you know this is not easy little small you know small miniature poodles. Um, so th- those things I find challenging. But again, just because I find them challenging and attractive, and I saw a video or I saw someone doing, doesn't necessarily mean it's suited for me. And this is very important because it's not just a question of me. That's the the reason why pet ownership is such a is it, it's is something which I take very seriously is because the worst thing you can ever do is to adopt a dog and put him back in the shelter. That is the worst thing that you can do. So I do not want to do that. I want to first see whether I am the, I am the dog owning kind, whether I am an act. I take that very seriously. So again, one of the things I've learned in life is I will never take a big decision, especially if it concerns another living being in any kind of light way. I would, I would really, really definitely do a pilot project before uh, before I involve any living being in any of my decisions. Wow, uh, makes a lot of sense. I wish there were avenues to do that in India, though. Uh, even especially if somebody's think, thinking of having kids. Uh, moving on, Random Vichar has a couple of very interesting questions. The first one, uh, he says, when reading about freedom movement, Bengali uh, freedom fighters come up a lot and part of our national discourse. But somehow we don't see Bengalis playing a similar role for last 30 years in India. Ganguly is the exception within brackets. What is your thought? If you agree, so that, what's the reason? Yeah, so that, that happened because ultimately when the Indian... So what happened with after independence is after when... See, the deal was that the Bengalis were involved. There was a lot of involvement in the freedom struggle because the capital of British India was Calcutta till 1911. So this was the capital, right? So this is essentially like Arvind Kejriwal Central 
in those days. So everything that Arvind Kejriwal does is covered, whether he's wearing a muffler or whether he's not. Why? Because he's in Delhi. He's basically, as I said, he's, a, he's the mayor of a city, but he gets that kind of national coverage. Why? Because it's Delhi, because it's the national capital and because all the news media is headquartered. So that's exactly what happened to Bengal in those days. Of course, there was no 24-7 television, but it was that because this was where the action was at, there was a lot of prominence to Bengalis in the Indian national movement. And then later with the shift, first with the shifting, it, it, you know, these things just don't go away like this. So it was like decades before uh, the role of Bengalis in national life started to go down. And again, another big thing was, you know, the, 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 the sidelining of Netaji Shubhash Chandra Bose by, by Gandhi. Uh, uh, that was also a big factor. So there was the only big Bengali national stature leader was sidelined by Gandhi because he didn't agree with him. And that that was a big another big reason. And then after independence, you know, it was basically Hindi heartland uh, politicians who took over. And um, with respect to things like freight equalization, you know, you know, Bengal and Bihar to an extent were also discriminated against. This was primarily a Bihar thing, but also Bengal again doesn't. If if they were they were powerful, uh, but it was essentially in UP. You know, Uttar Pradesh was one state which basically ruled the country. Still produced an inordinately number of influential politicians. Um, the, the there was, and I think Bengal kind of lost. And of course, related to that was the was our decision to elect communists and the and the economic decimation that they brought. So that was why, uh, you know, the South India could kind of come into national politics because it was just a richer place. It just had more money and money talks in any democracy. So Bengal didn't have the money. It didn't have people already entrenched in it. So, of course, the role of Bengalis in, in, in politics and in national life went down. And I guess Ganguly is the only person now. I mean, there was, of course, Pranam Mukherjee was the president. But, but I think Ganguly is the... And again, there was, there was another time when Pranam Mukherjee could have become the prime minister. Of course, in, 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 he didn't have the right surname in, in the Congress. So, you know, Rajiv Gandhi, who had done nothing till then, just went ahead and just became the prime minister. So, that was another chance that, you know, Somebody in Bengal had to, you know, go and take a national centre stage. So, and, that, and those things didn't work out. And you're right. Saurav Ganguly is the only Bengali national figure that we have, and especially with him as the head of the BCCI now. I think, and the head of the BCCI is a very powerful person in India nowadays. He's a, the amount of cash he sits on. His second question is interesting too. He says the Bengal part of Indian partition is rarely highlighted in Indian mainstream media and Bollywood. Can you highlight some books or movies uh, which show the Bengal side of the story? So Bengal side of the story, the movies you should have, you have to read. I mean, again, if you, if you're trying to look, if it's the actual partition, I can't think of any Bengali movie or book. And again, I'm not, I'm not well read in, in Bengali literature. So, I mean, it's, so this is just because I'm saying that I don't know doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But with movies, there definitely isn't. Uh, that I'm a little bit more confident on. Uh, there are a lot of movies on the impact of partition, of course, and Ritik Ghatak's entire, you know, entire filmography is essentially about uh, the plight of uh, displaced uh, Bengalis from Bangladesh and the, and the pain of losing, you know, essentially the amputation of your larger identity. I mean, it kind of permeates throughout all his movies. So if you want to watch in this general genre of partition, then there is, of course, entire Ritik Ghatak's filmography, minus some movies like Ojantrik, for instance. But again, if, it's, if, you're, if you're thinking of something on the lines of Tamas, for instance, or um, 
1947 Earth. I don't think that there have been movies like that made. The only movie, well, let's not partition actually. I can't think of. But if we talking about things, you know, Bangladesh border people coming over from there, Gunde. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was kind of uh, thinking, how come you have not spoken about Good Day yet? <laughs> but because that is, it was 1971, uh, but it's not partitioned. But that's the only movie that I can think of that actually even showed people from Bangladesh coming over to India as refugees. I don't think that I can think of any other mainstream movie. Again, I, I struggled to call Good Day mainstream. Well, it was, it, it, had, it had three uh, major movie actors and it was greatly hated by Bangladesh. You know the story, right? It was it. It was at one point of time the lowest voted movie on IMDb. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. So Gunde was so actually New York Times I think ran a huge article on Gunde. On on why it was the why it was in the New York Times we can Google it but it it was like why was uh, why is this movie which is not a bad movie it's an okay movie but why is it the worst like least voted movie on IMDb and it was because Bangladesh is mass downvoted. And they downvoted it because I think there was a line which said that India liberated Bangladesh. Which, okay. Mm. Which is which true. Is true. <laughs> but, but they, but it, but in Bangladesh, Bengalis liberated Bangladesh. That is the thing. And it was not India just mainly provided as help, but it was them. That was the reason why. So I, again, when I watched Gunde, I didn't find anything offensive other than the entire movie. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Nothing other than the movie, but there, but there, that was what offended. So yes, yeah, so there's this article about Gunde. It's a very unique movie, but I don't think that there's anything like Gunde in terms of partition from Bengal. I can't think of anything which actually shows any of the actual uh, actual partition. I don't think there's anything that is 47. I, don't, I can't remember, for instance, a movie about Noakhali. I don't think there's ever been a movie about Noakhali. What is that movie? The one with uh... Uh, there was this uh, man. I forgot the uh, name. It was about a house which which gets partitioned in in between. That is set in uh, the Bengal, right? Uh, with uh, yes, yes. But again, that's yes. That's that's that that that's that's Rajit Mukherjee's film. Again, I wouldn't say it's about partition. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's not about partition. Again, it's set in partition, but it's not really about partition in the sense like Thomas is. I think the question True. is. Like Tamas, there have been a lot of movies which are movies or books again, which is about the experience of partition in uh, West Punjab. And I don't think that there is that, I don't think there is that genre is not reflected on this side. Okay, we've got one interesting one again from Rachel. I can answer the first part of it. Rachel asks us, When will we have an episode of Binge On about Bengali movies? And can we get Arnab as a guest? And which other theme would he want to be on? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Binjan on Bengali movies. Unfortunately, Raj and I, uh, I think we do need to catch up on some. I'll get some good recommendations from Arnab after the show, so that I, I, I can at least uh, do do it justice. But Arnab, interesting question. If you were on Binjan, what other themes would you want to be on? Horror. So again, there's the only thing. The only thing, yeah. I mean, I could. I mean, in terms of, of course, I can. I mean, any genre which is horror in Bengali, I can of course do. Um, oh, even beyond Bengali, I don't know. Even be well, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, Hindi movies. 
90s Hindi movies. Absolutely. The good Absolutely. 90s Hindi movies. Yeah. Not terrible ones, good ones. Yeah, Shiv, definitely I can do all of those. And we've got, like I said earlier, we, we have a huge bunch of questions from Rahul Monty. So I'm going, we are just going to do a lightning round now with, with uh, some of his questions. Okay. One advice you would give to your 10-year-old self. 10-year-old self? Don't, don't, <laughs> yes. Don't, don't eat so many chocolates. 20-year-old self? Uh, 20 years, it would be the same thing to 2030. It would be, think about the decisions you're taking, do pilot studies. Uh, have you ever bullied, have you ever been bullied by someone or have you bullied someone? Uh, yes to both. Okay. What was the last video game you played? Uh, last video game I played. So I actually regularly play this game called Marvel Contest of Champions. I you, you still play that? I still play that. That, that came out like a couple of years ago. That came, that came out five years ago, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I still play that. It's 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 good time. It's it is my definition of time pass because um, I, I increase. I, I when you ask this question, I cannot remember which was the proper computer last game that I played. Um, I do you have a console? I do have a console, and I this console. Okay, the last proper game I finished from end to end was uh, to, was last year was uh, Hitman Hitman Forty Seven. Okay, and are you on a PlayStation or a Xbox? I am on an Xbox. I've always been okay. on Xbox. I regret having been on Xbox, but that was a commitment I made um, in 2002, I think, when the first Xbox came out. So um, from that, I my hands are like my muscle memory is all on the Xbox controller. I, I would still say that the Xbox controller is far superior to uh, PlayStation. And uh, okay, what was the last book you have you read? So the last book that I read was, again, it's the last book I read was so forgettable. I've actually forgotten the title of it. It was a murder mystery, which came like really highly recommended. It was like amazing, amazingly highly rated on. And I'll, if I can find out, I'll, uh, you'd want to find out, but yeah, it's on my Kindle, but it was terrible. It was freaking terrible, man. When the end happened, it was like, Jesus Christ, this is why I don't want to read like books because, you know, it takes so much time and then you come up with this absolutely shitty resolution, which I, which could be seen from a mile away. Like when I started reading within 20 pages, I thought, I hope this is not going to be the ending of this book and God (laughs) damn it, it was. So I think one of the problems with me, this is specifically a problem with me is because I write mystery because I, you know, I deconstruct a lot of them. I essentially nowadays is very, very difficult to, uh, to fool me. Uh, I think I mentioned this book before Michelle Boosie's Blackwater Lilies that they near that day, the name didn't come to me was the last book that I remember that actually I figured it out. But at the very end before the twist, I think I figured it out, but it took me a long time to figure it out. And it was more than the twist. It was a, just a beautiful ending. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful ending. Uh, it's a book I cannot recommend highly enough. If you like mysteries and if you just if you just like a beautiful story, you should read that. And I guess we'll find out the answer to his last question uh, tomorrow. So he wants to know what's your choice of alcoholic drink. So my choice of alcoholic drink has always been see if if I want to have a cocktail, it's uh, it's Long Island iced tea. But Long Island iced tea, it's difficult to make at home like really well because you have to have what happens is I used to do it myself at home, but I, I'm the only person who drinks really. So it's just like 
the 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 proportion is different for the different things and so the so some of the things would just finish early and i do, don't have them i get for instance i don't just exactly, don't have yeah. gin so this will this big bottle of gin lying around and like last time i moved there was just this empty this full bottle of gin and i usually have that's why I, what i do is i generally have rum and diet coke the good thing about having rum is that it gets a minimum it's there's no hangover with rum back in india what was your brand i didn't drink when i was old in monk i wasn't ah i was, okay. I was like um, yeah I, the first time i mean yeah when i wasn't see the fact is i grew up extremely protected um i never went on a you know excursion when i was in college with my friends uh the first time i ever left my home and stayed somewhere so i used to go to the only place where my parents would allow me to go would be this camp that would be this uh that would be organized and that's because one of my uncles was like one of the organizers of the camp so that was where i used to stay in a tent uh, in somewhere in sambalpur um other than that i my parents never allowed me to leave the home and stay out overnight ever till i went to america um and that's when i started drinking so again when i said when i said that's when i started drinking it seems as a regular <laughs> thing but it wasn't also it was very very rare and it was usually when somebody else was paying i think yeah you we managed to wrap up uh, almost all the questions that that's come great we do uh, looks like we do have a few coming up on twitter even now so we we will try and address them next year uh, and every now and then but uh, i guess that's our episode for today and thank you and everyone and and have and best <laughs> and have a great great new year man 2020 is and again what's this is this the decade ending or is it not no it, it can't be right 20, it, it I mean, my logical sense tells tells me it starts at the 20 i know 20 then why did the 2001 decade, was then the, the, why did the century end in year 2000 it didn't i mean uh, see, we just made a big deal out of it but 2001 is starting Okay, I, I I I I always felt. I mean, I thought that the whole millennium started in 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 the year two thousand. That was how that was how that was why we did cobalt programming, man. You can't say that we did it for two thousand one. Fair enough. Anyway, we hope uh, you have a very happy birthday Thank tomorrow you. and uh, tomorrow India time, brother. Yes. And um, have an awesome new tomorrow year. Tomorrow India time. What? Yeah, it's twenty ninth already. Yes. Yes, yes. Which is why I mean, for you it's day after. Yes. for us it's tomorrow and to our listeners uh, thank you for sticking around with us in 2019 we hope we can continue this journey in 2020 and uh, wish you a very very happy new year don't drink and drive and uh, until next time take care